You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people, those men and women who lived well, who died well, who met the challenges of their time and brought their gifts forward through those challenges. I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us, the living, that might we might reach deeply into that legacy the legacy of those who have gone before us and learn from them, to let them support us in meeting the challenges of our own time. We ask them to help us to understand and discern well between those things that are necessary, no matter what time, for a human being to live well in this world and what things must we have the courage and the creativity to change. What is it that we must rise up to in a new way in our own time? And for all the help that we receive from our ancestral helping spirits in this regard, I am deeply, deeply grateful. And let us reach beyond those human ancestors to all of life, all the rest of that great dream that was here long before anyone ever dreamt up a human into that dream time. Call out to all of those ancestral helping spirits that are non-human, spirits of the land, spirits of the place. Spirits of animals and plants and bugs and all the many things that keep this entire cycle of life of which we are only a part moving and healthy and well. And we call out to these ancestors to help us to understand our place in that great cycle, to help us to understand our own true nature and to surrender more deeply into the reason that we are here in this great dream. And let us live our life in such a way that we are part of that dream, that we are not the the means by which that dream becomes a nightmare. So we ask these ancestors, human and otherwise, to come to us the living that we might manifest that dream and be better able to bring our gifts into this world in a way that is good for all living things. And with the ancestors gathered round, let's gather ourselves from wherever we might be, drawing ourselves from wherever that is, into our head, with the next breath, from our head into our heart, with the next breath, from our heart into our belly. And from our belly, let's begin to reach down into the earth, giving thanks for all that has been in our lives that has brought us to this moment. We give thanks for all that is in this time, both pregnant and empty. And to all that will be, and we give gratitude to the earth and the generosity in her dreaming that helps us to understand that anything can be changed as long as we are still breathing. So it is ours to change now. And with enormous gratitude to the earth, we reach all the way down to the center of the earth and take a moment 
and reach deeply into those energies that draw their strength and purity straight out of the darkness, out of the nourishing and healing darkness that is the darkness of solitude and silence, that which holds us in meditation, in sleep, and in our journeys. We call out to this energy to rise up from the center of the earth into our own lives to support that which becomes abundance and beauty, that which nourishes, that which replenishes and restores and rejuvenates. And from this earth energy, may we each come to know ourselves, where we stand, what is the ground that we stand on, and what do we stand for. And as we come to understand more deeply what in life has heart and meaning, may we build our sense of home and our sense of belonging on what truly matters to our heart, not simply habit or unthinking tradition. Let us open our heart to the other, open our home to the other, open our our table to the other. It is only through embracing, learning the skills to be with those who are other than we are, that we can come into oneness with ourselves. And that split within ourselves. And so we call out to the energy of the earth to help us to understand connection and interconnection, coming into right relationship with all aspect of ourselves, with our neighbors, with our environment, with the non-human world, and ultimately with the invisible world. And as we come into right relationship with all of these aspects of life, let us come truly into right relationship with ourselves and our understanding of our place in that great oneness. And so from this place, let us reach up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds, up and out the top of our head through the sky, whatever weather it holds for you, out through the atmosphere, and out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call this energy, in whatever way you understand it, whatever that is for you, Let us draw this energy in and understand it as an aspect of ourselves. To see us in the divine and the divine in us, let us draw this energy down, these radiant energies from above, down through all the layers of the sky, into the top of your head, into these proceedings, into your day. And in this way, we draw in the essence energy of blessings of blessings and protection. We draw this into ourselves. We draw in commitment and devotion. We call in and open to the benevolence of our universe. We call in the energies that inspire, that illuminate the way. And we call in the great beneficence of a much vaster universe than we know yet. We call these energies in, drawing it in through our body and sending the energies above all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open up our center channel, connecting earth and sky, letting these two great legendary lovers come together within us. And we ask that this big love of these two energies awaken the spirit of our own heart, that we might awaken to true love, not just a human idea of love, but this greater cosmic love that we might understand what it is that we are called to do in our time here in our heart. And so as we call up our own passion, that helps us understand our part in that great plan. Then we call down the clarity 
in our own mind. We draw these energies into our heart in that crucible of transformation there in the heart. We let these energies mix and merge in a dynamic tension that can give birth to that third most sacred thing, some sense of understanding of why you are here. And may you find courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, that brings your gifts into their full manifestation in the world. And for all of the assistance that we have from the invisible world to do what we have come here to do, I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I'd also like to give uh, special thanks to the human spirits who have decided to donate to Why Shamanism Now. If you're listening for the first time, the show is listener-supported and that we raise just about enough money every year from listeners who offer donations, large and small, to Why Shamanism Now to pay the bills that keep the show on the air, that keep the archives, which are now quite considerable, free, open, and available to anyone who can get um, onto the Internet anywhere in the world. And for those of you that are financially contributing to my effort to do this, I'm deeply grateful. It is only because of listeners like you that it's even happening. So know that even those of you that are uh, donating $4 a year, that $4 still matters. And you're welcome to donate in any currency from any country, then um, we take it all. It all goes uh, to keeping the show live and on the air. Um, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com if you'd like to support the show and scroll down to support. Donate any amount, large or small. We're grateful for all of it. Um, so I'd like to thank Michelle and Bridget. Eliza, Danaray, Julie, Ben, Anne, Sophie, and all of these other listeners. And I'd like to thank those of you that share the show, that discuss the show. Those of you that bring the practices of the show into your own life and work with it, wrestle with it, uh, try to break it, come up with questions, and offer those questions for the possibility of new shows. And in this way, we are all involved in the collective effort of bringing um, shamanic practices into some practical application in our contemporary life. And for all of your efforts that help this show to grow, I am deeply grateful. So the topic today is should I learn to journey? It's a little bit of a spin here on journeying, shamanic journeying. Um, we are live today. So if you do have questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512 772 1938 or you can Skype in through the code-creatornetwork.com site. You can Skype in from wherever. And also, if you're listening to the show at another time, you're welcome to uh, send your questions to me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Um, and many of you, I will most likely not respond personally to your email, but often turn your emails of good questions into shows. Um, so thank you all uh, for all that you're doing to help to support the show. So if you're a frequent listener to the show, then you know that in general, I am an advocate of people learning to journey. So the question, should I learn to journey from my perspective in general? Absolutely, yes. However, their caveat in that is I think you should learn to journey properly, right? And um, But nonetheless, the value of journeying from my perspective is that it allows the contemporary person to be more intimately and directly involved in a working relationship with their own helping spirits, 
And there, there are many, many dynamics as to why that is a valuable thing to do. Everything from cultivating your sense of responsibility in your life, your sovereignty and your free will by not going to other people to tell you what you're here to do, not necessarily going to other diviners, uh, except in extreme circumstances when you really need that help, but to learn to gain that access yourself. Direct revelation is a beautiful thing. And, and frankly, because learning to journey shapes a person in a particular way to be able to journey most of us need to begin to adjust some of the shortcomings in being a contemporary person into some of the deeper resources of being a human and so i think it's a good move for people in general and if you listen to the show you know all this like i said there are many shows exploring the logic of this and how i feel about this um, and that ultimately I feel if we as the adults in this society are not working directly with our helping spirits, we will not find a path to a new and better future. I believe that path is available for humanity, but that humanity is not going to figure it out on its own, no matter how smart and clever you think you are. We will, on our own, invent a new version of the same problem. And frankly, looking at the problem, especially in the United States today, I'm thinking this is about as ugly as I want it to get. I would personally like to be involved in creating a truly new solution. So for me, this is the root of why I believe that people should learn to journey. So on the other hand, if you're new for the show, you haven't heard me going on and on and on about this for the last eight years or nine years or however long we've been doing this. Um, and so there may be parts of this this discussion here today, logic parts that seem to be missing for you if you're a new listener. And if so, I invite you into the archives. Go to whyshamanismnow.com. And um, find other shows about journeying and fill in those gaps. In fact, there are moments in today's show I hope to point people to specific shows if you haven't heard them. But I do really want to move on today into some new territory. And this is one of two new myth-busting shows. Um, previous to today, we re-ran three of the old myth-busting shows, just kind of on a myth-busting theme here at the end of the summer in North America. I realize y'all are still cold there in the southern hemisphere. Um, but anyway, back to myth-busting. So there's a couple of shows on myth-busting that have been inspired by other shows, a couple other shows that I did with Kelly Harrell, who is a practitioner on the East Coast. And um, we were exploring the possibility that we, meaning humanity, might be affecting the invisible world unintentionally. You know, is that even possible? And if that's happening, why is it happening and what maybe should we do about it? So those are two shows that I think if you are – if you consider yourself a shamanic practitioner or a shamanic healer, uh, I suggest that you dive into the archives um, looking at – um, at Kelly Harrell, H-A-R-R-E-L-L, in the guests, and click on these shows. So once again, another dive into the archives. Um, so just to recap that, though, Kelly shared a story on social media about um, a journey, a sequence of journeys and an experience that she had where she was back when uh, – Oh, our history right now in America is just so offensive. But anyway, okay, so back before we were completely distracted by everything that's going on now with our current president, we were actually starting to pay attention to the fact that far too many, as any, are too many 
um, young black children were being killed and that the actual level of racism in this country and systemically present in um, different parts of the structure of this country was really becoming frighteningly obvious. And Kelly was journeying to try to understand that in her region. And in doing that, she stumbled on an energy that had, that I would consider in the category of time spirits. And, and so the energies that I consider time spirits would be energies that get created by the, in the interface between human beings and their energetic force engaging with spirits of the land and that energetic force and then these larger social constructs that begin flowing through different times Um, and if we look historically in European history we talk about the dark ages and an age of illumination right so so these time spirits have moved through different times so these are energies that are larger than any one person but affect the people and so she she saw the way an energy that had risen up originally that was if i can remember the details an actual effort of um leadership and integrity got distorted and and a and kind of a co-creation of that integrity um, between the spirits of the land and the spirits of the people and that those energies were working together for the people to lead in a good way and that that energy itself was being distorted by the actions of the people who were no longer working with the spirits of the land to support them and leading in a good way and that's an energy that was twisting and changing and turning into one of the many energies that is supporting people in their racist beliefs something like that and so kelly was shocked by discovering this this uh, what appeared to be an effect that humanity had had on the invisible world since most of us are taught the invisible world is sort of is what it is and we don't really affect that but i think what many practitioners are seeing another example of this would be um ana Lara Mendy and her sharing about working with different earth spirits and spirits and the different um, scaling of spirits of the land and where they are at this time as a result of the things human beings have been doing that are resulting in what we're now calling climate change. So she, she here's another shamanic practitioner who is noticing and trying to learn how to work with these energies at this interface between humanity and our earth and how we are uh, through largely through our ignorance but in some places through our willfulness uh, distorting things and and moving them out of their true nature into something that is more problematic and then is supporting human beings in becoming more problematic I think is one of the big issues here so what was my point? Oh, right. So my point was that we're exploring this possibility as something that exists in present time that we need to deal with that didn't necessarily exist in uh, pre-contact shamanic times, earlier, more ancient people's shamanic times before the influence of colonizing forces 
which are largely political but often tied into the organized revealed religions that are dominant on the planet right now. Okay. So context. So so this I found a very inspiring uh, conversation and there's another thought from that that I'm going to explore next week kind of in this myth-busting idea. Okay. So also out there on social media, another practitioner posts – an idea that appears on the surface to be in the same vein as this um, post that Kelly was wanting to have people engage in or on Alara Mendy's work with the earth is this, this how humans are affecting the energy of essentially the middle world. Okay. So this other practitioner posts a post um, that appears to be on the surface a similar kind of message. And that the essence of this message from this other practitioner, and I can't remember whether – I think a few other practitioners chimed in on the thread saying, yes, they were experiencing something similar. The thrust of this message was that their helping spirits were telling them we should stop teaching people to journey. Okay. So – and there was some um, – explanation by the practitioners around that okay so this is a good example i think of how challenging shamanic work actually is to be a a true practitioner of the work and with the understanding that right now um, in terms of non-indigenous people we're all in our first generation right there are very very few of us that got any legitimate teaching from anyone Uh, like our grandparents, right? And so we're coming at this really as children, as absolute infants in this work. And yet, as contemporary Americans at least, we are pretty arrogant. And there is a tendency to unconsciously bring that arrogance into our shamanic work and to forget that we are children in this. Now, I'm not saying this practitioner did or didn't do that. What I'm just trying to point out here is shamanic journeying, shamanic practice, and then ultimately shamanic healing, these things are really challenging practices. Which is why one of the things I'm experiencing right now is a lot of people wanting to come from listening to the radio show into the cycle teachings. And they get into the cycle teachings and they bounce out in the first year because it's really hard. I'm a really strict teacher and I believe in these disciplines for a reason. I believe in them because they have survived the effort of humanity to change everything that it has touched. These teachings have survived nonetheless exactly the same for tens of thousands of years. So I am not arrogant enough to think I am going to reinvent that wheel. And so I believe in these disciplines because they are truly more so than anything else on this planet, time tested. Okay, so with that said – Back to the issue here is I th- is my feeling about this the comparison in these two things on in social media these things that arose in social media is that the message about journeying is a is a valid message that this practitioner is receiving a message from their helping spirits that that we as humans are hurting something precious sacred essential granted. But I feel the message is being misinterpreted. And so part of what I want to point out, especially to new journeyers, is that 
learning to interpret your journeys is an art in and of itself. Learning to journey is just a technique. It's a discipline. It's a technique. It requires practice. But the art of journeying comes out of learning to craft your questions and you will, the first way we mess up crafting our questions is making too many assumptions. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this relative to this whole issue. The other way we mess up though is in our interpretation. Finally, the third way we, we mess up or develop in our craft of journeying is becoming better and better and better at, at translating what we are receiving from the invisible world into action in our life that is truly effective in our world. Okay. But that, that's all basic journey stuff. And like I said, I don't want to get distracted and dive into that too much today. Other shows about that go to the archives. So my point is just that this practitioner is totally in their integrity about receiving a message from spirit that is a big red flag. The issue here, I think, is just a, an issue of interpretation. Okay, so well, let me talk a little bit about journeying, just in case there's people listening that don't really understand what journeying is yet. And then we'll get into why I see this as an issue of interpretation. Um, so for new listeners, okay, shamanic journeying is a practice. Just like other meditative practices, it's, it's, a, it's a discipline. It is a practice. It has steps that you need to follow that allow you then to access. So it's like it's, di- it's very Taoistic, right? It's a discipline that allows you to access freedom. And so like other practices, this particular practice allows the practitioner to access non or a, a non-ordinary reality experience, meaning other than their ordinary reality. So a non-ordinary reality experience of sight, sound, space, time, their senses, sensation, and usually of themselves. In other words, shamanic journeying is a practice that trains you to use your mind to access Um, sorry, to access non-ordinary in a non-ordinary way. That's why it's called an altered state or an alternate state of consciousness. Okay. So in this practice, the practitioner remains simultaneously. This is important. So this is, in other words, if you don't understand why this is important, go do some research into the research on consciousness. You can go back to the classics with Charles Tart and go forward into whoever the luminaries are in that field now, right? But there's a lot of research on consciousness and altered or alternate states of consciousness, far more than just everyday waking, sleeping, dreaming, and LSD. I mean, there's a lot of research on many, many, many different alternate states of consciousness, In shamanism, the shamanic journey state is there to guide us into a particular state of alternate state of consciousness in which you remain self-aware and task-focused and simultaneously aware of a compassionate, helpful presence um, who is there with you in the journey, very much like encountering a dream figure in your dreams at night. So, so you are aware of you and you are aware of this spirit help. And we just, I'm saying air quotes, spirit help, mostly because we don't know 
other words to use to talk about these um, helping spirits. And so meeting these generally considered to be compassionate helping spirits and gaining their assistance and their perspective is the primary reason to engage in the practice of shamanic journeying. Another way to say this would be it's not shamanic journeying if you're not there with your helping spirit. That's the It's the defining characteristic that makes something shamanic. Okay. Nonetheless, the most fundamental reason you as a human, everyday contemporary human, would uh, reach out through journeying to your helping spirits is to get help becoming a better version of yourself. So the help, in other words, the helping spirits come to us to help us become better humans. And there, there's a beautiful, uh, actually it's an article, but also from that article, a podcast from Stephen Bear, also in the archives, B-E-Y-E-R, about what do the spirits want from us. That, that really looks deeply from someone who's experienced deep, deep training in shamanism over many, many years, decades. What it is the spirits really want from us. Why do these helping spirits come to us? And, and ultimately what they want from us is for us to become our best possible self. And so if we tie this back in, for example, to Kelly's, the shows I did with Kelly, they want us to become humans that are willing to live in a way that we don't adversely affect this invisible world and that we are willing to to stay engaged in the practices that keep us from going there. That's that's what I mean literally by the best possible human. You are willing to sacrifice some of your contemporary luxuries because you see from the helping spirits showing you that these luxuries that we think are innocent are actually deeply damaging. And so you are willing to not engage in that accepted contemporary practice because it is hurtful. And that you choose to engage in other practices that may not be sexy or fashionable because they support you in staying your best possible human self. So again, obviously, I'm going back over familiar ground, but this for me is the fundamental reason why I believe shamanic journeying is valuable for everyday people and that becoming a shamanic practitioner, meaning someone who expresses their spiritual life via shamanic skills and practices, um, is, is a really important way that people who do not identify with being religious can develop a deep spiritual life and practice that will create a profoundly healthy context to raise your children in. And this all happens in my world prior to becoming a shamanic healer. That that's a whole other thing out here, which actually very few people are called to do. But everybody is called to be a better human. Every single body, (laughs) every single human is called to be a better version of themselves every day of your life. And that's what I believe is the deepest reason for shamanism in our time because from my perspective i look around me and i do not see the world's religions serving that role what i see around me in the world around me is that for people that are already good people 
organized religion can be a place that they make a home in that continues to support them in being good people. But that many people, many, many more people use organized religion to justify being horrible human beings and for many being the worst possible version of themselves they could be without being a criminal. And that's debatable where that line is with some people. And so I mean this. I am on the verge of tears right now. It's how deeply I mean this, that we each must at this time do what is necessary to become the best possible human being we can become. And I see religion across the board, every flavor, failing humanity in providing that path for people. In a, in a large sense. And yet as a, as a shamanic practitioner, I see the potential in shamanism of not only reteaching people how to be better humans in general, teaching people how to do that together in a harmonious way, thus repairing for us our issues around community and lack of it and all of our completely fucked up opinions around diversity and get us past that, which seems monumental task right now, but we can do the impossible when we co-create it with spirit. I have seen this again and again and again in my own life, and I am not special. So if I can do it, you all can because many of you are profoundly special. And that ultimately then, through shamanic healing, I believe that our helping spirit, not shamanic healing, sorry, through our working with spirit, we can move on to this third place, which is not just generically being a better person, not just communally being a better person, even though those two things right now would be monumentally fabulous, but individually becoming the absolute best possible human you can be. In this life as soon as possible. Not that quick is good, but wouldn't you want to do this before you're about ready to die? Wouldn't you want to do this while you're raising your kids so they get raised differently than you did? Wouldn't you want to do this now so you can enjoy the fruits of those labors? Okay, again, getting off into left field, but that's my soapbox about journeying and its potential and so i don't mean by making you a better human to be an argument i do not mean it to be an argument to justify some vague open-ended notion of self-help at all Uh, back to the whole people coming into the cycle teachings i'm bouncing right back out again i do not see shamanism as a vehicle for self-help I see it as a vehicle for the self-healing or for healing, not necessarily self-healing, but the healing necessary to become your best possible human and to learn where your responsibility is in that. What is yours to do and to start doing it, to give you the skills you need to start taking responsibility for being a better human and to see what you need to sacrifice in being that better human. And all of those things are not part of self-help. Self-help has to do with how can I feel better now, how can I feel good now, and have all the things I want now. And I'm not a big advocate of that attitude. Okay, so moving on. So 
because the whole show about myth busting this idea that shamanism is for your personal self-help is next week. Okay. So the basics of journeying then are you as a human through a very simple but repeatable discipline learning to exit the middle world, which is basically the energetic equivalent of our physical world here where we the humans are engaging with life, the earth, other beings, other humans, other ideas, time spirits, things like that. So to learn to exit that realm into the realm that is not invaded by human beings but is basically organized through what we would call the quote-unquote spirit world, again, for lack of a better word. Now, whether you see this as the upper world and the lower world, uh, because as you learn to journey, there's a sensation of moving up and down from where you are in space and time, is fine with me. You can also see it as the other world. I don't particularly care as long as you actually learn through your journeying to feel the distinct exit from this middle world into these other realms and begin to work with spirit there where you're undistorted and at times demented by all that is going on here in the middle world. And that so that you, you, your journey is supported by, um, a repetitious rhythm. Um, there are many other drivers, quote unquote drivers that drive the journey, but you're using a driver to drive you beyond where you would go naturally. So journeying is an extension of your natural ability as a human to go more deeply into what we call non-ordinary reality. Like I said in the beginning of the show, it's non-ordinary ways of experiencing, allowing you to access more directly than usual your spirit help and to get direct answers to questions. So you were able to begin to have a dialogue and a conversation and experiences because they're also intention journeys that help you have these experiences that are meaningful and can be made meaningful here in your ordinary reality life. And so in other words, you're having non-ordinary reality experiences that have a profound, deep, and direct effect on or meaning in your everyday ordinary reality. And so in other words, you're helping spirits help you. That's their point, is to help you. And in that, that you learn to shape your questions, you, you learn to shape your values and then shape, thus shape your questions so that you're using this revelatory relationship to become a better human. And that's the basics of journeying. So you go, you learn to enter a non-ordinary reality. You learn how that feels different than your everyday waking state. You connect with your helping spirits. You know who they are. You work with the same helping spirits over time. It's a deeply committed, and again, I'm getting into all these other shows that are in the archives. But you make this long-term relationship with your helping spirits and then you use it. Um, practically in your everyday life to be a better person, a better parent, a better lawyer, a better um, farmer, a better whatever, better person. Okay. And so I already talked about what I see as the distinction between something that is self-healing in a way that serves this larger arc of you becoming a better person versus self-help, which has to do with you defining the end game of your work, which becomes very self-indulgent 
and uh, it's very self-motivated and self-indulgent. And it isn't looking at the spirit world to give you a larger perspective on who you are, what your potential is, and how to get going in manifesting that. Okay, so I just laid a lot of groundwork to come circle back to this comment on in social media about we need to stop teaching people to journey. My helping spirits are saying we need to stop teaching people to journey. Okay, so here's another one of the first things we need to do in interpreting our journeys, especially a big journey, meaning a journey that has influence or um, ramifications on someone other than yourself. And, I, and this is a very clear distinction, by the way, with pre-contact shamanic people. There's a very clear distinction made between journeys a shaman is taking on their own or for their own family, a journey a shaman is taking for a person or another family, or journeys that actually are going to matter to the whole group, be it a tribe or a community or whatever. And that um, there's some really interesting specific practices in multiple different cultures around the world, but it basically amounts to this – that the shaman who now has to take a journey that is going to have a direct impact on the entire community, like maybe they're going to need to move to another place, another location or something like that, big, huge impact on the community, um, that that journey is taken three different times, three different locations in three different ways, uh, three different uh, time, place, sometimes three different drivers driving the journey and that and that these in the interpretation of these journeys is shared with other elders and that they in some cultures other elders would in would join in journeying on this question but the point is a question like this would be worked with before this final interpretation uh, is arrived at so that's one thing. But within that, there's a couple important points within that because it busts a couple contemporary myths. So contemporary myth number one, that is not true. That if you can journey, you're called to be a shaman. That is not true. I don't care who says it. I don't care how important they are or how important they think they are. It is simply not true primarily because it is not shown in history, the history of shamanism. And there's far more history of shamanism on this planet than there is current shamanism, right? Like back to the one generation thing. Okay. So if you look around the globe, I'll just pick, I don't know, examples out of, out of my memory at the moment. I'm not even looking back at the encyclopedia. So Arctic Circle. So different shamanic cultures up there around the globe, uh, around the Arctic Circle. So there you have heads of household where the heads of household have a drum. On the drum is the cosmology of the way they see their world and then they have these these lines that go across the drum with little metal thingies on them. And as they beat the drum, they vibrate um, and move around the cosmology and they use this with the journey to divine the answer. This is every head of household has learned to journey and develop in a fairly advanced journey capacity by the time they're an elder. 
to be the head of household, to ask the ancestors or the helping spirits, whoever they go to, depending on the culture, for what does the household need? What are the questions the household has? And, you know, every household has questions, has deep questions, has hard questions, right? How do we deal with death? How do we deal with birth? How do we deal with drug addiction? How do we deal with the things that are happening in our life? Where do we move? Do we not move? How do we survive? What about these jobs? You know, all of these things. How do we support some kid who has really special talents but is going to need special support in that that we are having a hard time paying for? All of these things are how do we survive as a family? Every head of household journeyed. When the head of household couldn't get the question answered, they might take it to the shaman. Another example in South America where they take a pena, which is one of many names for the snuff. General practices, pre-contact, all the adult men, all the initiated men. So men, you know, boys who had gone through initiated work, initiation were considered men, not initiation into shamanism, being a shaman, initiation into adulthood. All the adult men do the snuff. So they're all journeying. They're all, they're all getting answers. Okay. So now even in North America where things are much more diverse, uh, one in terms of cultures, but also shamanically speaking, there's lots of specialization throughout the many First Nations of North America. Huge, huge bunch of diversity. But even within that, every boy and girl quests for their helping spirit, their own personal helping spirit, and is expected to keep questing until that helping spirit comes to them. And that helping spirit is the helping spirit that helps them cross that threshold between childhood to adulthood. And then they are expected as an adult to work with that helping spirit that is unique to them. It's not just their family totem, which they get by just being born into the family. But the helping spirit has come to them for their own unique journey in this lifetime. And so my point in sharing all of these examples is showing that historically speaking, it is not true that only the shaman journeys. So that your ability to journey does not define your path, does not make you a shaman. And so all of these myths about... Uh, if I can journey, I'm called to be a shaman. Um, only and and only shamans journey. So if I don't want to be a shaman, I shouldn't journey. You know, all of this, all of the propagation of this myth around journeying and people confuses people around whether or not we should learn to journey. And so if we just look at this thing alone, that's why I can't accept as accurate this sudden message from spirit, um, spirit saying red flag, stop teaching people to journey. I mean, it's been a consistent message from the beginning of humanity on the planet that human beings need to learn to journey. So again, important message, important red flag. How do we interpret it? Okay. So moving on then. Okay. So, If you actually 
so the one thing that I've just said then is, is important to actually think about the ramifications of your interpretation. So if you accept this interpretation at face value, people need to stop journeying. Okay, for reasons I've already discussed at length in this show, how do we get where we need to go as people, as humanity on this planet? If we don't engage spirit in helping us, I mean, Charles Eisenstein is a brilliant, beautiful human being. And the effort that is gathered around him, around his book, The More Beautiful World Our Heart Knows is Possible. I think that's the title. It's close enough. Beautiful work. And the people are doing a great job coming to how how do we manifest? How do we become the new people who can actually manifest a new story and thus create a new world? How does that happen? Uh, beautiful work being done. No criticism at all. What I observe in humanity in general is where we do not change ourselves. And by that, I mean bringing in the help of spirit to transform our deep woundedness, our soul loss, our, our deep, deep heartbreak at where humanity has gone, where we don't heal our huge brokenheartedness around our loss of community that would initiate us into adulthood, welcome us as children with our true name, uh, honor us as we become elders, that this, all of this, that the most direct path to reconciling this and healing it and creating a new world is through co-creation with spirit and the miracles that come through when we work with spirit. So in spite of all the good work that is happening out there, and there is good work, I believe we will still create a new version of the same problem if we do not engage spirit. And so, you know, the, the first thing is to think about the ramifications of this, the ramifications of the message. Stop teaching people to journey. So we stop giving the new shamans that are being born into the world their primary means to learn to journey, to, to learn to access that skill. We stop giving adults the capacity to be informed adults and guide their family, making wiser choices. We stop giving the adults in general in their world the most direct capacity to become better humans across the board and figure out how to solve these seemingly impossible problems around economics in America, around race in America. It it doesn't make sense. And it flies in the face of history with spirit, humanity's history with spirit. Okay, so, you know, obviously it's not a correct interpretation primarily because – okay, so it's not a correct interpretation because the thing – you have to look at the ramifications of your interpretation. So, all right, let me give you a small example. Okay, learning to do soul retrieval work – a person in the class, in in being in the role of the shaman, went out into the spirit world and brought back a tomato in overalls and returned that to a person as a soul part. Okay, tomato in overalls? That is not a soul part. Why would you blow a tomato in overalls into a person when you don't even know what that is? So again, not thinking about the ramifications of the interpretation of this journey. The interpretation was, oh, this is a soul part. 
I don't know what a tomato in overalls is, but I'm doing a journey to, to bring back soul parts. So this must be a soul part. Instead of going, whoa, hang on a minute. What the hell is a tomato in overalls? Maybe this is an illness. Maybe this is an ancestral pattern. Maybe this is a really funky energy. I need to not be blowing into this person. So again, what are the ramifications of your interpretation? Does it make any sense at all? If it doesn't, reinterpret. Okay, so big big red flag, what does it mean? Okay, so let's look at what does it mean. Strong message moving through this practitioner and a couple others I think that said they'd experienced something similar. How else could we interpret it? Okay, so one, there are a, there is, sorry, there is a huge number of people who are not shamanic practitioners and who are definitely not shamanic healers. They identify as life coaches, um, therapists, many other human potential people and i and i mean that in the best sense that they are people that have invested their lives in helping themselves and others reach their human potential right okay they are teaching people to journey so the first thing i would say is people who have not been trained in shamanic journeying and use it as part of their practice and thus are learning the art of journey, not just the technique, but the art, and in that have come to understand the hazards in journey. Anyone who doesn't understand all of that shouldn't be teaching people to journey. That would be one of my interpretations if this were my journey, is discerning who, who we're actually talking about. And so I think it would be a great benefit for all of us as all of those people who actually don't journey all the time as shamanic practitioners and therefore don't necessarily understand what shamanic journeying is really about in the larger sense. It's just another modality for them. Should not be teaching people to journey because they don't actually know what they're doing. They don't have any mastery in this art and therefore are handing down a bad copy, which is going to be interpreted as an even worse copy. Okay. Number one. Number two. I don't think that there are enough practitioners teaching people when they journey because this in this self-help thing, right, is that you need to leave the journey better than you found it. It's like the Girl Scout model. Leave your campsite better than you found it. Leave your journey better than you found it. In other words, don't go into your journey and in the experience you have in your journey, use it as a self-indulgent place to puke all your unresolved energetic issues and your emotional stuff into non-ordinary reality. There are far too many people journeying for self-help without any guidelines around what is it really appropriate to journey about. So that's my second thing is as you teach people to journey, assuming you've been trained to do this, you use it in your own life. I mean there are – I know many beautiful life coaches who started out being trained as shamanic healers and decided with integrity they really weren't called to be shamanic healers and have transitioned that training into life coaching and they do a very shamanism friendly version of life coaching. So these people are people uh, who might teach someone how to journey if they were open to it and this would be valid, right? Because they've already been trained and experienced many years in that discipline. 
and thus have some understanding through their own experience of that art and are in a valid place to then teach people that art, unlike others who just use it because it works. So in other words, my first experience learning to journey, I had no idea that's what was going on in the first place, which is completely wrong to engage people in a shamanic journey activity without them knowing what's going on. The person really said, okay, everyone, let's just lie down here. I'm going to start drumming and you go and whoever you meet, um, go have an adventure with them. Okay, there are so many things wrong with that. So many possibilities opening up, especially for people today to get them in trouble. I can't even begin to count them. I mean, I can, but I don't want to today. So my point is people who don't know what they're doing deeply as an art have not committed time and energy to deeply learning this practice should not be teaching just because it works. It's not your right. You haven't really earned the right to teach it. So if you are a teacher of shamanic skills, you, ha- you, you, you do journey. Teach journeying with its discipline. I, I mean, I, I get people in the cycle teachings who have already done other trainings, which is lovely, and the trainings are beautiful, except people's journey techniques suck. They have no discipline. It, it's just the drum goes, you go meet your helping spirit wherever, maybe upper world, maybe lower world, whatever happens. There's no sense of the markers of moving through into the journey and coming back out. Too many people start from their imaginary happy place. Okay, Journeys start in an ordinary reality place that has innate to its own nature a portal either to the upper world or the lower world or to both. And that we use these portals because it is a natural place. The physical slash spirit world has opened a portal for humans to move in and out. In other words, it's a door. It's meant to use it to go in and out without destroying the integrity of the building. So when you just blast in and out through your happy place, it's like going through the wall. It's like going through, breaking through a window. It's not using the doors. And this is the kind of thing I think spirit is saying, hello, red flag, way too many human beings being taught by people that shouldn't be teaching, journeying from their happy place instead of a true portal. And thus they're busting through the structure of the relationship between ordinary and non-ordinary reality to get into their journeys. And the more willful and ignorant we get, the more we're able to do this. Okay, so for those of you that are training people, train them in the actual discipline of journeying and teach them to use the doors. Teach them to use the doors respectfully. Teach them to close the door behind them. Teach them to be polite in their journeys to the helping spirits that they meet. And teach them once they have connected via journey to helping spirits to begin to nurture that relationship in their ordinary reality offerings and songs and dances and the ways they work with spirit. Number two. Well, sorry, back to the wishy-washy technique. Many teachers are wishy-washy in their technique to make it so that people that are struggling can feel like they're journeying. And I say no. 
I say hold the discipline true and help the person heal or grow or whatever they need to do to use the discipline. Don't dumb the discipline down so that others can use it. There may be a tr- – there is, there will be a true reason the person can't – feels as if they can't, quote unquote, journey at this time that needs to be worked through. That sometimes there's a process a person needs to go through that is either their personal growth, their energetic cleaning up their energy body hygiene, or their healing that needs to happen so that they can access the discipline of journeying. Don't jump over that step with people. I know it's awkward in your training class because you're ready to move on to the next thing. But this is part of the problem is people are being given a sloppy way to journey because they're in a sloppy place. And this, I believe, is part of the red flag. Right. Let people earn their ability to use the discipline to get into the spirit world as a person whose energy body hygiene is appropriate, their level of healing is appropriate, and they've walked the journey themselves. So they earn it and they deserve it. Another way that teachers jump over this, the need for people to get to a place where they can make the discipline work is by giving people scripts. The journey follows a script or they lead you through a guided visualization in the journey, which is like putting a bunch of kids on a string in daycare and walking them all across the the street because they don't have enough sense yet and they're not old enough yet to learn to look up and see whether it's safe to cross the street. So if, if they're not ready to do that journey on their own with their helping spirits, they shouldn't be doing it. Once again, as teachers, be willing to take your students on their path. Honor the fact that they're not ready. Just because you're ready to move through the class to the next item doesn't mean they're ready. If you are doing scripted journeys with your pupils, I can guarantee you half those people aren't ready to be doing those journeys. So the other thing for practitioners, the final thing because I'm running out of time here, Keep your altered states clear. And this is primarily for practitioners and shamanic healers. It is never valid to say, I don't need to journey anymore. And the reason for this is, as practitioners who have dedicated our lives to this and are moving deeply into the art of journeying, yes, over time, what you had to journey about five years ago, you can now sense intuitively and be reasonably accurate. Absolutely. That one would hope so. Right? We would hope that you are growing and evolving as a practitioner. But that doesn't mean there isn't a new level of depth you need to journey to get at. And what I see in people who in the I don't need to journey anymore camp is this really higher level of eddying out in their own personal development and beginning create new ways mentally – to break through the walls and not use the doors. And so I think on this kind of low level of learning, but on this high level of teaching, that we are not respecting the structure of the spirit world, the reason the disciplines exist, and the willingness as teachers to surrender, to humble ourselves to the discipline. And through that, to receive the freedom that is available through us in our relationship with spirit. So, Thank you all for indulging me today. I've gone over in time. I am grateful to the spirits that hold us all well in this work in spite of our trials and tribulations and trespasses. May we learn. 
Give gratitude to the earth below, gratitude to the sky above, and gratitude to the heart that unites us all. May we all have the courage to move into deeper integrity and impeccability in our choices and our practices. Thank you, everyone.